Bounce nicely. Oh, no, what a goal! Out of nothing. Masanka's first goal for Wrexham, and it's a goal of the season contender. Planet Fast Podcast Episode 12. We have Natomo Masanko um, from Manchester Cheetah Mill. Yeah. Um, footballer. So yeah. Cheetah Mill, you know. Yeah, man. Notorious ends, isn't it? Notorious ends, man. You've got to be you've got to be <laughs> tough growing up where I live, mate. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, man. So thank you for coming on the show. That's yeah, a pleasure. Um, I'm very excited. You're the first kind of uh, footballer to be on my show and football is a big thing in in my world um in planet fars and um your story is very sick you know the conversation that we've yeah, had before the of course, podcast yeah. why i was so excited to have you on and um yeah so tell my viewers tell the people who see this a bit about yourself as to like you know we know you're from cheetah mill yeah. manchester but tell us your journey as to as to where you come from you know what football you've played so far Okay, so... Um, what position do you play? Let's start with that. First of all, I'm a striker. I've been a striker all my career, basically. Um, from young, I started playing football at the age of, from, I can remember, five years old. Um, my uncle took me to the well-renowned um, the Cliff Training Centre in Salford, Man United's training ground. Um, at five years old? Five years old. So, obviously, they'd noticed that I had something in me from young and... I was always one to be at home, I'd be kicking the ball around and stuff like that. So he just thought one day, let me take him to the cliff and the rest was history, really. What made your uncle think that you were good enough to, or was it just like a thing I in think, the community? I think from young, I've always been different to the rest of the kids. Like a lot of kids, obviously, from my generation and growing up and especially in my family, it was a, it was a thing where like, even like the way I was born, it was very different. Like I, I was a premature child, so and my parents are pastors, so my parents they've always said that I was different to the rest and so stuff. So I think he's seen when I was young, I was an angry little kid, so like <laughs> I've always had like fighting me and aggression and that. Where like there was basically two of us in it. There's my uncle Michael, which is the same age as me, but we basically grew up as brothers, and we both went to the cliff together but I was just a bit just a bit different just very energetic and that yeah like uh, I, I just loved football so, since young since young so it, it's strange because like my aunties and they've always said that I was different like it's like I was born to play football so I mean when my uncle my uncle played football as well so he recognised obviously I was right, a bit different right there you go to the rest of the that's kids. The connection. So he yeah, took yeah. me he used to go there quite regular. So he took me there. And then yeah, that's when my footballing journey started really. And you were like addicted to it from young. Yeah, I was a uh, I used to watch all the videos, Zidane, Ronaldo, Messi, all the best players at the time. I watched like it was religiously it's not like the kids now it's a bit different now. Kids are more into like consoles and your know, fortnights and all that like How old are you? I'm 24 now. And he's saying kids. Yeah. I'm 25. <laughs> man younger than me. No, but do, do, you know, do you know what it is though? For me, obviously, my little brother is 14. Yeah. Like, he watches football, but 
he don't watch football the way I used to watch right, football. Right, right, of course. When I was younger and, and my little cousins, because I have, I have a very big family, um, and they don't, the kids, the boys, they don't watch football the way I no, used no. to watch football. I used to be glued. Siva, I was glued on the TV watching football or I was on the street um, just playing. playing playing football. I was on the park playing with the older lads. Yeah. I was annoying the neighbour to the point where the neighbour had to get assigned no ball games yeah, from the yeah, council. Yeah. And stuff. That's <laughs> how I was as a kid. That's how mad I was for football. It's so. mad, isn't it, how football has changed in the last um, seven years or so. Yeah. Like, um, before... Even I could relate to you when you say that. We used to watch football and then what we used to do is watch the post-match analysis. Yeah. We used to be like glued and waiting for that because well, we want to know what they think of the tactics and whatever. Whereas now, after the game, the first thing people do is go to Twitter. Yeah, and start yeah, slating it's crazy, the, yeah. Do you, know, well, do you know what's mad, yeah? I remember from young, I used to, me and my uncle Michael, we literally used to try and recreate goals or skills. I remember. Really? I don't know if you remember, but I remember Ronaldinho scoring famous goals. I think you might remember it, the goal that he scored against Chelsea where he... I can't even describe what he did. He, he basically danced. Yeah, and yeah, And he yeah. toe-bunged it. I remember after that game, the next day, going to school and trying that on the yard. Like, I'd... That's how mad I was for football as a kid. Like, I'd be trying... I'd, I'd pretend I'm Raul or Rooney or whoever... Yeah. Just and I, outside my mum and dad's, I, I actually spray painted a, a goal because we didn't have goals. So I yeah, spray painted yeah. a goal on the, on the wall and there was, there was a lamppost. So we used to play stuff like Wally, lamp, Lampy, heads and, heads and volleys. So yeah, so, and, it, and it's different now because you don't really see kids doing that anymore. So it is, it is quite sad to see, but we're in a different day and age now, isn't it? So talk me through kind of your... Um, footballing career right from the time five year old to let's say when things start getting a bit serious talk me through the stages that you went through okay so when I first went to the cliff um, at Man United it was basically like a community thing so all the kids from Salford Cheetah Mill pretty much every area in Manchester used to come we'd, we'd pay to play and then obviously it's like like the tournament that we was at yeah, but yeah, for yeah. kids um, and then I got, I ended up getting scouted through that way. So I didn't, I didn't do the grassroots and stuff like that. I didn't play for a local team. I literally, that's how I went there. Um, so they, obviously that's like the hub yeah. where all the kids go and yeah. then all the scouts that are scouting, you know, really yeah, young. Yeah, like the coaches and they're stuff They're watching like that. and yeah, they're, they're saying, yeah. like this one particular kid yeah. has enough potential. Yeah, so, so that's what happened with me. And then after that, they invited me to uh, what it's, the development centre it's called. Um, and then obviously I met up with the advanced boys that obviously they'd picked that was already in the system. So I think at the time, probably memorable players that are playing now that you'd probably know. Um, my age group was Scott McTominay. Wow. Um, Marcus Rashford was the year below. Um, Cameron Balfour, Jackson, Jack Harrison. They were all in this development yeah, kind of group. Yeah, all center. of us. Yeah, like there was there was so many of us, um, and a lot of a lot of them have gone on to have amazing careers. What obviously. age were you at that time? Seven, five, eight? five years old. Five. So you six, started at five, and five, probably six, yeah. within like a couple of months, they kind of saw something yeah, in you. Yeah, you, you can. From from the moment you get in there, you can tell it's it's different because the the lads, obviously the, the the young boys that were there with me as well, they were at a, 
an elite level for kids that age. They're the best in the country for. How do you know, you know, know I mean? that so, a kid is good at football? Like I see these YouTube videos of this kid like toe poking a ball and he going through a basketball hoop. Or How do you know that a kid is good? I just, good enough. I just think that from the way I judge it is, I I look at my little brother, and I try to see the way he plays football and the way that I played at his age, and. It's just it's just different the way I play and the way he plays. It's very different. So I think you can see that obviously as an adult and as a coach, and you got to think these coaches have seen thousands of kids, millions of right, kids. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they already they yeah. already know and and um, it like so yeah. So they do know. I I even remember going back there when I was maybe about four years ago in it, and because one of my friends' little brothers went on trial there, and I just seeing the kids and seeing like the talent that they had I was thinking wow was I that good at their age because the, the, some of the stuff I was seeing them doing I couldn't believe in my eyes so yeah I think it is quite easy to spot when the, when at that age when they are good at football especially because, when you're watching so many yeah games, because right? they, they, they tend to just dribble through everyone so they'll yeah, beat yeah, everyone yeah. and score and you're thinking alright well these that, that kid's different to the rest can so. he do it once or can he do it consistently yeah. as well right, so, right. okay yeah. so so you make it from this little community centre thing to like some serious business now. You're in the development centre of Manchester United. Yeah. What happens from then on? So I signed officially with the academy at Man United when I was nine years old. So that group of mine, the, I think the majority of us got signed. So we signed, I think it was 2000 and... Five maybe. So when you say signed, right? Because I don't know. Signed a contract. What does it mean? Professionals mean you sign a pro contract, yeah. you get paid to play. Yeah. This is your job. So what, what does it mean for a nine-year-old? So I signed a contract to be a player of Man United's academy. In the future? Yeah. So what happens in this contract? That means you go and train there, yeah. you play for their team. So basically when I signed that contract, I then become a Manchester United Academy player. So then I was training, I think it was three or four I think it was four times a week. So at Man United, you can't play for other teams. You go to school and then after school? Yeah, yeah, go, go to school. Most of the trainings were evening, obviously, because you're yeah. still kids and that. Um, and then, you, obviously, you have your format where you play, like, team, different teams, kids the same age, but different teams yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So, essentially, yeah, I was a player for Man United. Can I ask, the is there money involved? No. No but that's involved. just a contract to say, you know, yeah. we want your kid. That's that's a contract to say that you are their player, basically. Right. Yeah. Okay. So from there, you sign. So five, four years on, nine years old, mm. you get you, you're signed with a somewhat future now. Yeah. What happens from then on? Like how many well, years? Well, you know then what's on? crazy? You say future, but at that age, I wasn't. I'm not thinking to myself, ten years further down. I'm just enjoying football. I've, I believe at that age. You should enjoy Nine football. Years old, you Nine. don't even understand. Yeah, like like contracts and. Like, I was thinking about doing the things that I'm seeing on TV right, on YouTube right. and Ronaldinho and yeah, yeah, yeah. all these players are doing. That's how I approached it. I was, you know, and and they encourage that as a club. The the thing is about Man United it's a very very family orientated club. So he was well looked after. They made sure everyone was respected because obviously it come from a, above Sir Alex Ferguson made sure that there was a thing where we had to shake every single staff member's hand, even if it was the tea lady. You have to be respectful. So it taught me a lot of core values that I still have to this day. Um, so it, it, it's basically like a school, basically. 
So your family, right, at nine yeah. years old, you have a piece of paper that says you're a Manchester United player in the future, possibly. Yeah. How does that affect, like, your family or... Because you're the f- eldest one. Yeah. And, you know, you might be... There's no professional player in your family before. Yeah. And this could change your life if you do end up making yeah. it. And players do make it now. Yeah, of so course. Young. Do you, um, it changed my family's life in a way that... Um, Did they take you seriously? Like, yo... Six well, got like, to go to training. Like, yeah, like I said, my, obviously my parents always knew that I had something in me that I was obviously destined to do um, great things. So, I mean, my my dad had to quit his job at the time to become, obviously to be taking me to training. Um, we There were so many sacrifices that they made for me to get to the point that I'm at today. And it wasn't just them, it was... The whole family, there'd be times where obviously my dad couldn't take me, so my uncle would take me to training. Because you're still um, a kid, you know? Yeah, you're still, yeah, a, kid, you're still so a kid, so like, obviously there's the well-being and all that sort of stuff there. Like, I remember me and my dad, because the cliff is only, like, 10 minutes from mine in the car, but we didn't have a car at the time. I think my dad was band driving at that time. So we used to walk to training, or the training sessions and stuff like that. So I remember all these things when I was young, and... It's a massive sacrifice. I mean, for the parent, it, it's a it's it's a full time job because you, you're basically you're supporting your child's dream, and and it is it's constant. You you have training on, for example, my schedule would have been I would have had training on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, training Saturday morning, and then games on Sunday. So and my dad's a pastor, so. Sunday's church day. So Sunday's church day. So in the morning, we'd go to games and then he'd rush in to get back for church. So all these little things add up, obviously, over the years and stuff like that. So it is a massive sacrifice, yeah. So nine years old, obviously, years go by. You're in this development center. What happens from then on? So obviously, from the development, the way the development center works, obviously, you have the Manchester center. Um... And you, they have loads of different centres in different regions and stuff like that. So what we used to do is on a Sunday, this was before we signed for the academy, on a Sunday, all the development centres used to come together and we used to have a tournament. So, and it used to be, it was like a World Cup format. So they'd put you, they mix the players and put you in different teams and stuff like that. So you're playing, you they play the Champions League music. It was it, it was amazing. Like for a kid, you they make you're it buzzing. like yeah, they make it yeah, they make serious you, yeah, they make it serious because it, it is serious as as young as you are. Obviously, it's fun, but you're at the biggest club in the world. Obviously, as a kid, you're not thinking that, but they want to recreate yeah, that. Feeling. They 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 want to bring out the next Marcus Rashford or the next Scott McTominay. Isn't that how we kind of, they noticed him. Apparently in some tournament, he was like banging in goals. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and then they noticed him like yeah, that. Yeah, the, the way that kids do get scouted, it's all probably similar. So I'm, I'm not surprised that that's how they probably noticed Marcus. But um, yeah, so that's how it was really from the development centre. Um, after that, obviously you go into the academy and you, yeah. you, you're done on the academy programme. So you're training. Um, at the Cliff Training Centre, so the under nines, under tens, would train at the Cliff and Littleton Road. Um, so obviously you'd, you'd play your games at Littleton Road on the s- Sunday mornings, I think it was. Um, some games, if it's in the week, it would be it would be played at the Cliff because there was floodlights and all that there. So, yeah. Did you make it to the academy then? 
Yeah, I was I, I was in the academy till I was twelve. I left. Well, I got released um, from Man United when I was twelve years old. So. so talk me through that. What happens at twelve years old? Why do you think you get released? What happens? Um, with me, I was quite. I was quite a naughty kid in school. So a lot of. I wouldn't even say I was naughty. I was just like. Class, yeah, like Hyper. hyperactive kid, just wanted to make everyone laugh. Da, da, da. So, like, we had a few incidents and stuff like that. And, they, and obviously, Man United ended up did, uh, coming into school, did the head of education and that. And it was, it was, kid you not, it was very embarrassing. Obviously, I'm really? um, walking through the school um, with the head teacher, the head of academy, head of education for Man United, and my dad. So it it, it was tough. It was a it was a tough period in my time because. You've got to remember, obviously, I joined Man United as a as a baby, basically. So that was all I'd known. It was basically my family. So to leave there was one of the hardest things. That I I still regard that as the first heartbreak that I've ever had in Do my you life. Um, I mean, you're a kid. You don't know better, but yeah, I do. Do you I think do, it's someone I yourself do and to I don't, blame? Because you were, yeah. you know, messing about. And yeah, it, it is myself to blame, um, but. To say regret, I do and I don't because I remember in them periods, it, it hurt me deeply. I didn't go to school for a week, mate. Like, literally, I was in bed for a week. I think I cried that much that I was, I was actually physically ill. So, and I always remember my last training session because it was down at Carrington and, and to get to the under-11s pitch was right, it was so far, it's on the other side of the training ground and obviously from the under-11s pitch, Say, for example, it's on that side. The first team trained directly opposite, so you can see. And I remember running, because I was, I was late as well, and I was just crying, like... And then, obviously, before I got to the pitch, I had to obviously wipe yeah, my tears yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. But, yeah, man, it, it, it touched me deeply, because that was my family, essentially. I'd, I'd grew up with... I'd spent more time with them than I actually did with my own family, so... Did you yeah. not have an inkling that this is happening, like... Do you know that what? You're no. about to get released, or did it just no, happen no, one we random knew, day? No, we knew that you know. Um, obviously, you can get released because you got to think it's Man United. Did but I'm not kids. saying can. Like, did you know that it's happening for you? Oh, I didn't know that I like, was. Did you see it before no, it happened? No, I didn't know, and it, it comes as a surprise to me. And to be honest, a lot of the kids' parents, obviously my teammates and stuff like, that, even the boys, they were very surprised because there was a few boys that, in themselves, they thought that they might be getting released. But in my head, it never really crossed my mind so it it was a big shock for me and it was a, a it was a massive wake up call but I was on the I think straight after I went to Man City straight after so it was it it, it was tough but I I went to the next club straight after. How did you manage that? I remember there was a Man City scout at the time called Terry John who works now at Liverpool. Um and Funny enough, we actually played Man City actually. Um, the day that he asked me to come and come and sign at, at Man City, so obviously he spoke to my parents after the game and said, "Obviously, look, we want him to come in. We know he's been let go and stuff like that." Which um, so how come you're playing a game when you let go? Is it like your last game or something? These were like I knew my contract was coming to an end that at the end of that season, so oh, we were still in season, right, but right, near right. the end of the season. But yeah, that's hard. That yeah. to, to know that you're gone after this season and you still have to play. Yeah, it it was tough, but at the same time, when when I'm playing against these teams, you got to remember, 
I'm in the shop window because these kids, these teams are thinking, right, there's a boy that's just been released from Man United here, so they we can snap him up. So the Boltons, the Blackburns, the Cities, the, all the clubs in the area, really. Um, so, yeah, that's how that was, really. So you then ended up at City? Yeah, I then ended up at City. I went on trial at City for two weeks, I think it was, something like that. But it was like, I was already signing, basically. Um, and it was strange when I went to City because, like I said to you before, um, Man United had the family feel. Like, it was a family. That's the way Sir Alex Ferguson made that club to be. Whereas when I went to Man City, it was a bit... It felt individ, individualised, if that, if that makes sense. I feel like it, everyone was kind of for themselves, but... At the same time, when I look back on it, I think it was like that for me because of where I'd come from. I'd come from their biggest rivals and they wanted to be like us and stuff like that. So it was different. It was different. and um, But I, I enjoyed my time at City, but it was cut short um, due to obviously some problems that were off the field and stuff like that. So With you? Problems with you? With, with me, yeah. With me and some coaches and stuff like that. Right, like, right, we just right. didn't really get along. And obviously I'd come from Man United at the time. So there's that element of Man United, City. Like it, it, it was tough, but I, I still have friends there. Well, friends that I played with there as well. Um, so yeah. What happens from then on? How do you continue football? Because I'm guessing you're like 14 now, 13, 14. 13 I was. So from there, when I got released off... Um, City. City, I was I was actually going to go and sign for a grassroots team, my local grassroots team called Abram Moss Warriors. And I was this close to signing. And then I played a game for school, for my high school. Um, and there was a, the, the school that we played against, their PE teacher was a Burnley scout. And he said to me, look, I want you to come to Burnley. But at the time, I... I genuinely had no clue who Burnley was, <laughs> where it was. I had apps. All I knew was the the going to the Premier League. That, that's all I knew. And I was just like, I don't know. I've just come from Man United, Man City, Burnley. Like, I don't even know where it is. Like, How far is it? How far yeah. it is. So I was just thinking, like, I don't even know if I want to go here and that. Then eventually I just thought, no, I'll, I'll go. Um, so that got organised and funny enough when, when I went for my actual trial I was half an hour late half an hour 40 minutes late because the sat nav wasn't working and we just had no clue where we was going at all even though we had the thing we just had no clue and I started to not panic but I was you're a ki- I'm a kid so I'm, I'm eager yeah, to, to go, I'm going on trial I'm eager to impress and stuff like that and already being late I'd been taught from young at Man United being late is one of the Worst, worst things ever yeah so I'm thinking wow I'm going to a new place here I'm late like I probably even miss training like it's just everything just going wrong and we pulled over and obviously my parents are pastors so we prayed in the car and then eventually we found the place so we get to the training ground and I'm obviously I'm running out the car rushing to get on the pitch and then um, the the scout that actually took me there Jeff Taylor he's called Jeff Taylor and Matt Broadhead, they they obviously reassured me and said, calm down, look, we understand, it's hard to find. And then they just let me play. And then I went and trained, and straight after that training session, they said, look, um, we want to sign you. And then that was the start of my journey at Burnley. Wow, okay, so you're 13 years old, and 
this like at 13 14 then on it gets really serious right because you're very close to the professionals and whatnot yeah um so how many years do you spend at burnley or how long do you stay there nine years i was at burnley for nine years yeah nine years so a, a long time a very very long time from 13 all the way till 22 22 yeah 22 so basically it's not even that long ago yeah it's not that long it's very recent but i, I basically spent a lifetime now i feel like well in my Pretty life on my yeah. age now yeah so you're at burnley for nine years like what did you do did you make it to the first team or did you stay at the um i was second i was academy but i'd been in around the first team i'd been on the bench, I think, in a game. Yeah, I was actually on the bench in a game against Accrington Stanley and Sky Sports. Um, it was a cup game. Um, obviously, I went through the academy and stuff like that, the under-18s, youth team and all that stuff at Burnley. So, yeah, it was a, it was, at the time, going to Burnley was the best thing that, that happened to me because it was very similar to Man United in a sense where it was a family club and they look after you and stuff like that. So... That's what I needed exactly in that time period. Even though you didn't make it to the first team and didn't get proper, you know, pro game time. Um, in terms of like first team game time. It was difficult at Burnley because obviously when I first went there, the staff were different. And then obviously you understand when you go into the Premier League and stuff like that, you have the, the academy overhaul and Sean Dyche comes in and Daddy Howe. And it started to become a, a bit very different. Um, and there was times where it, it got tough, but I don't have I don't have no bad blood towards the club or anything. So talk to me a bit about like you spend nine years there. Mm. People are playing first team football at 17, 18 years old. Yeah. You're 2021. 20, You're not playing first team football. Yeah. How is that making you feel in terms of your career? Like so you're on a contract. Yeah. I mean you're making money. Yeah. Surely not the most money. Not the least money. Yeah. But you're not also playing. Well, do you know what? Funnily enough, I think it was the season. I think I just turned 19. I just finished from the, the under 18s. And I done, I done well in my youth team. I done really well. Um, and they the following season, they uh, the club had by, uh, signed a striker from another club. Now, they, the 23s manager at the time, basically said to me, it's either you get in the team ahead of him or you um, or you try to play alongside of him. And I felt quite hard done by because I felt like I'd done so well in the under-18s. When I did get called up to the 23s, I'd done really well. I was scoring goals and stuff like that. So I felt like I, I was going to get a, a bit of a better contract than what I did initially first get at the time. Oh, they'll take you more serious. Yeah. You know? Um, but I didn't, but I signed a, a third, third year scholar, it was, third year scholarship, so, um, so the pre-season started, and then I, I torn, I, I think I torn my ankle ligaments or something like that, and that was me out for six weeks, so I had the 23s manager telling me, they're basically signing a new lad, same age as me, same position, and I've done my ankle and he's basically said to me, it's either you try getting a team ahead of him or you try getting a team. So all these thoughts are in my head and I'm thinking, wow. This is but why, like, okay, so why do you think they didn't take you serious? 
I mean, you're doing well. Why? What reason do they have not to take? I don't know. And I, I couldn't give you the reason. And I, I genuinely don't. You must have like, you must think something. You must think like, okay, must be I didn't do this well, or must be they think that guy's doing this better than me. I think that maybe at the time, obviously, the lad that they did bring in, they did. There was a lot of interest and a lot of clubs that were interested in signing him and big clubs. So the fact that obviously they managed to get him, naturally, I would have been. He would have been above me in the pecking order because they More bought him. him. They spent money on him. They've actually paid for him to, for his services and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, politics. Yeah, so uh, politics. So I, I, I had to knuckle down, obviously, and I, and I was injured. So it was a tough time. I had to knuckle down. So I, And me and the 23s manager, we didn't really get along. Well, Which is a big thing in football. Yeah, like if you don't get on with the manager, yeah. you could be the sickest player yeah. your career but, will be short. The funniest thing about it all, I probably played my best football under that manager, him and my youth team manager. Because in my first year as a youth team player, I didn't get along with my, the youth team manager at all. Like I thought he hated me. But then as I got older, I understood that he was on me so much because he knew what he could get out of me and he knew how good of a player I was. Um, but the 23s manager, we just, we just did not get along at all. Um, but you still played great football. Yeah, like... I went on my best, probably my best run of form ever in my career with that manager. Um, I think I scored like 16 in 14 games or something like that for the under-23s. And it was funny because at the start of that pre-season, there was seven strikers ahead of me in the first team. Mm. So, Boy, that's a lot. Yeah, and, and that's <laughs> including the lad that they bought in. Oh, so You're number eight. Basically, Basically. Yeah. So it was a mount, it was a mountain to climb basically to get into the first team. So when I came back from my injury, I started scoring and it, it was weird. Like I scored one goal, then I scored again the next game, then I scored again. And then it got to a point where we played Derby County in a game and um, I think it was just a period when Paul Clement had left Real Madrid to be um from assistant at Real Madrid to be the manager of Derby County. And the head of academy called my agent and he said, look, um, we want your player because they'd seen me play. Obviously, I played against him a few times. So I was actually on the verge. Of signing with Derby. I wanted to leave to go to Derby, basically. To I get more, better playtime and stuff like that. I just felt like that was a better place for me in that period and what they was offering me and what I wanted to achieve kind of matched with what they was trying to offer me. So obviously, I went to speak to my 23s manager, but they just offered me a offered me a contract and I'd just signed so it was a case of they was never going to let me leave mm. um, and they basically turned around and said look well I know there's probably clubs sniffing around you and stuff like that but it's kind of coming off as ungrateful if you're if you're going to go and do that when we've offered you a contract and stuff like that so I just brushed it aside and just thought you know what let me just get on with get on with what I have to do here imagine you didn't um, you do, do you know what I did used to think about that but then I just got to the point where it didn't happen for a reason yeah like, I agree I know what you mean yeah, my, yeah. do you get what I mean God when didn't something want, doesn't happen yeah yeah yeah, yeah God know. didn't want me to go there for a specific if reason if it was meant to be you would have something would have happened exactly. you would have ended up exactly. there exactly um, and then I went on that amazing run like I said and then in the this November or December I, I ended up signing a four year deal four year pro pro deal with 
Burnley. So and at twenty one years old or something like that. No, 20, I was twenty years old. I think I was even nineteen. Or t- I, th- I can't remember how old I was in it. I think I, I think I was nineteen, twenty, or just turning twenty. So yeah, that was amazing for me. Oh yeah, because you've you've come up the under eighteen. Yes, yeah. So for me, it was amazing because signing that deal. I always say it was the best and the worst thing that happened to me because I feel like signing that deal was just an amazing feeling. Like my family was so proud of me, my mum and, and dad. And that's when you that. go pro, innit? Yeah, that's when I actually signed my pro, yeah, everything. They give you a paycheck. Yeah, so... You're a proper employed yeah, and, you know... I felt, at that time, I felt a very important part of the club and, and obviously they did one of the promising futures of the club, should I say, at the time. 19 years old. So... You're making some serious dough. This is... Yeah. Serious dough in terms of, like, you're kicking the ball and you're getting paid for it. Yeah. At 19 years old. So I I think I went from, like... I think youth teams, like, £80 a week or something like that. At that time, to see whatever I was on. Four figures? It was good money, in it? <laughs> it was good money, bro. So, but for me, it wasn't even about that. It was just, I'd come so far with my parents and my family and, that, and yeah, so many people had supported me. Sure. So, like, that moment of signing that contract and taking that picture with my family and... So it, it was amazing. And yeah, I, yeah, I felt like my sure. parents were proud of me and, and stuff like that, even though it was only the start of the journey. It, but it's still a pinnacle, you know? Like, yeah. like you've reached the top of the top yeah. that you could be a pro Premier League player one thing I will say the easiest thing is reaching it the hardest thing is staying there really the hardest thing in football is staying there like you've got to think if you have a run of five bad games you're gone whoa it's just, the manager won't pick you up no more before you know it boom you get into a into a dip of form then you go missing and so it's tough I'd say it's one of the hardest industries in the world, isn't it? Mm. Put it that way. Before we deep dive into more of your pro career, I want to understand that 19 years old, you signed um, a contract, you're getting paid. Are you handling the money? I was, yes. I was obviously in charge of my finances, so obviously you can imagine I was going out, I was partying with my mates. Like, respectfully, the area you come from, Yeah. It's not filled with the most... Uh, Listen, the area that I come from, everybody is, is renowned for not being a great place. Do you know what I mean? Um, so how do you kind of, you know, manage your way around life living in that area? Do you know what? I was very blessed and lucky that in my area, when I was growing up, everybody knew me as the kid that played for United. So I was playing with the older kids on the park and it was buzzing off me like, yo, this kid... I want him on my team for the games yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So I always kind of, in a way, they, they, everyone in the area kind of looked out for me. So that was never an issue. But I you f- never got attracted into the wrong group, into no, the wrong No, do you know what? Luckily enough, I, I, I was lucky because my uncle that actually introduced me into football, he was kind of into that life. And he always, I think one of the main reasons he did actually push us into football is so that we don't go down that route. And but in my head that route was never there anyway, so you never looked at that and thought you know nah, that's glamorous nah, girls money nah, this that never ne- ne- I never looked. At Sometimes that. you naturally get attracted to those type of people yeah. because you have friends in those circles. Yeah, but I I never when I was young I never it didn't bother me. I just wanted to play football. It's only it's only when I 
did sign my deal, then I started going out more, drinking, and obviously, you, I'm enjoying the fruits of my labour, but <laughs> at the same time, yeah, it, it does have an effect on you. So, so you're going out, you know, do you tell girls you're a footballer? Do you know what? I'd, it's going to sound mad, but I didn't really need to because, like, the way I am, I don't, I don't go out and say I'm a, I'm a footballer. Like, I just, I prefer people to know me for who I am. Mm. Like, if someone asks me, football's probably the last thing I want to speak to you about. I, pr <laughs> I prefer you to get to know me as a person. Yeah. And then whatever, whatever else you hear or whatever, that's whatever else. But I, I genuinely, when I meet people, most people know who I am anyway, not to be big-headed or anything, but, like, I just prefer people to know me as me as Tumba and not as a football player, you get what I mean, so... I mean, the, your colleagues at the time, yeah, they're all going out as well. Yeah, It's a culture, isn't it, now, amongst, um, like, young players? I wouldn't even say now. It's always been a culture in they football. They gamble, they drink. Yeah, but I... I I never gambled. They have fancy cars. Yeah. And this drip culture as well. Yeah. I, they I was, spend lavish uh, money on... I was never really into all the drip stuff. Like, I just wanted to enjoy myself with my mates. And we was enjoying ourselves. Because I, I <laughs> obviously, yeah. my mates, they'd been through that journey with me as well. Also, I mean? like, yeah, so your friends are like... Yeah, like, but they're not even my academy, friends. They're yeah. my, my, my family. Like, and I'm not talking about my teammates that I was playing with. I'm talking about the kids that I grew up with at home. Like, right. they're basically my family. So, was all enjoying ourselves. And it, and it was good times. It was good, good times, don't get me wrong. Do you think you worked the hardest at that age to kind of maintain your career? I asked this to a few of my other friends who play mm. semi-professional football. I'm like, do you think you worked the hardest? You know what? On the pitch, I've always worked hard on the pitch. Sometimes off the pitch, there is things that I should have probably done. But I always know that on the pitch, whenever I'm on the pitch, I give absolutely everything that I have. But I feel like there was times where, and a lot of times, where I should have maybe not gone out that weekend or... Done, trained a bit more. Trained a bit more, or, yeah. done prehab. And, and not look, to say look, that I didn't train. Not to yeah, say that yeah. I didn't train, but... I mean, there's always, you, there's always something more you can do. Do you know good what I mean? Good point, very good point. So, yeah. But, like, for you to even hesitate, it kind of tells that you could have done probably a lot more. Yeah, of course, it? Like, yeah. squeezed yourself. Yeah, of course, of course. Like, you look at players like Ronaldo, and there's a reason why, you know, he's Ronaldo and... Not every yeah, of course, of course, of course, of his caliber. Yeah, uh, with, with football, you've got to be so dedicated to the to the game and that. Like, it's football. In a sense, in my life, football's come before my family. It's come before family parties. It's come before friends. Like, it, it, it's basically the the base of my life. So that's why I do call it the first love of my life because mm. it comes before everything. And it came before everything. There was times where I started to get a bit misled. and But football is the basis of my life, basically. Talk me through, at what point did you get an agent? Because uh, agents play a big part of your career. Yeah, probably the biggest part when you turn pro. Yeah. Or if you're about to turn pro. I got an agent when I was 16 years. Just before I signed the youth team, I think. So that's when I... How I did you first. meet him? 
how did I meet him? My my cousin, um, Brandon Zabaka, he played in the tournament actually. At the time, he was at Preston, Preston North End, and he's the youngest. He's the young, he, he was the youngest Davidson ever to play. Yeah, I've met him. So I, he's I, a hench. Yeah, dude, he's a big play. guy. Oh, that guy's one. <laughs> yeah, he's a big lad. So, bro, I met this guy. He's the youngest guy to ever get signed to Preston. Yeah, bro, this guy is like a tractor. Yeah, he's massive. He's, and he can move. You know, I've yeah, seen him play he's football. Yeah, he he's a top player. He's a top player. So obviously, I met that my first agent through him. Obviously, because he was his agent at the time. So. He looked after me in my first year, I think it so was. So he was the agent for your cousin already. Yeah. And then obviously, yeah. Yeah, and then I and then I, and then I ended up meeting an, another agent called Mason Thomas at the time, and we got on really well. Mason was young, still kind of in contact today, but me and me and Mason had a had a great relationship. So, are you still with the agent now that you? No, I'm not with Mason anymore. But I've I've got a different agent and. Oh, this, the, oh, the agent that you, your cousin was with, sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. Me and, me and him, we ended, only, I think I only done a year with him. And then I signed with a fella called Mason Thomas. Right, and then you stayed a few years with a him. A few years with Mason. Um, and then I had, a, I had another one called Harry, but him and Mason worked together. So, so they actually done my pro deal. Talk me through a bit of, as to like, for someone who doesn't understand because I've not been in that environment, what's the job of an agent? Because what it seems like to me is they just get you a contract or get you in touch with the club, right? Because they have contacts in that club or whatever. They have your footage and they do all the negotiation. What other job do they do? What, do, what else can they offer you? I feel like a lot of agents today, they're obviously just in it for the money and... Really? They're just in it for the money and like... If you're not doing well, then they'll just find someone else that is doing well. But you get the rare few agents, like my my current agent now, he advises me off the pitch. He's always around my family. So he speaks to my parents and stuff like that. And he always makes sure that I'm on track. Even when I'm doing things I'm not supposed to, he's on my case like, you can't do this and you can't do that. And that's why I've stopped with So you still have long. an agent now? Yeah. Even though you're not playing pro? Yeah, I still have an agent. So I mean, why is he still sticking around? Because the main reason he stopped with me and I've stuck with him is because he still believes in what I have to offer. So so you left Burnley at 22? Yeah, he was, was he, my agent when I left. And then he's still with you now? Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing he's not making much money off you or any money off you, really. Mm. So what's what's the relationship here? It's been two years. He no, it's been I've been with life. Well, I mean, two years since your oh yeah, yeah, yeah. leave from Burnley. The relationship I mean, like at what he's point? like a father figure to me. I so see you him don't as, turn around and ask him like whatever his name. What's his name? Christopher. So you don't uh, turn around and say, Chris, like, come on, man, get me some, get me some teams. Of course I do, but he's always had a team for me. He's I've since I've been with him, I've never not had a team. Up until obviously COVID situation, right, right, obviously right. I was yeah. out playing in Italy, but I had to come back home. And yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. You know, right. Okay, so you were playing. Um, okay. So yeah, like, and but for me, that's not even the most important thing. You need in football, yeah. When you're playing, you need someone that believes in you a hundred percent and blocks out all the noise that they, they could hear from friends or family members or other people. Because many people have said to my agent, "Oh, just." leave him he's not worth it he's 
he does this, he's messing well, about. And like, stuff like that. I mean, in the most respectful way, yeah. but you are not pro. You're, yeah, of he course. He's yeah. making the most money he could yeah. for the time that he's spending yeah, on you. Yeah, of course. But he does believe in you, which which outweighs the yeah. monetary value, he, right? He said to me, he said to me, the reason why he stuck with me is because one, he believes in me. Two, my agent is a man that he likes to go against the odds. Right. And if he sees something in someone that he believes that he can get the best out of him, he will. And I feel like when I've been with him, I've come on leaps and bounds with my agent. And we have, we have a great relationship. It's like a father and some relationship. Like I can call him any time as well. Some other agents, they just, you just speak to him about football, that's it. But me and him, so, we actually have a, a bond. So do you have like, you and him, do you have like a plan as to how you get back into the scene. Yeah, of course, me and him, we, we do have our plan and obviously that's um, obviously between me and him. But yeah, we do have a plan. Obviously that we're... Because I know some, some agents, my, some of my friends have told me this, this is just, they like, you're just like a contact in their phone book and they'll just call you when they're yeah, like, okay, yeah. this week we've got this trial. Let's yeah, get which you is in true. There. And that's, that's why I'm saying, that's why me and my agent, we have such a good relationship because it's not just like that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We yeah. can speak about, I can speak to him about anything. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. which is important. Yeah, right? it's important. There's problems off the pitch, things that I can't even speak to my parents about, I'll speak to him about. So it, it, it's a really good relationship that we do have. Whereas other boys, I've seen other boys, friends of mine, lads that I've played with, they've been released off clubs and their agents just sat them off and they, they, don't, want, they don't want anything to do with them anymore. Yeah, and they're they just, don't make money. Exactly, them. and then they're in a sticky situation and it's like... When I look at that and I look at my agent, I feel blessed to have someone like that like on my corner. Yeah, I, I, I read this thing where I think it's um, Pogba's agent. They have their own in-house analysts. Yeah, 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 they do, yeah. And the analysts actually analyse the player's game. And when it comes to time to rene renegotiate the contract, yeah. the agent comes with these like, stats, like, look at what yeah. my player's done for your I, team. I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, and I, and I do respect... Pogba's agent a lot because clubs can really walk take over you. Yeah, they can walk all over you. If you don't know what you're doing, they will walk all over you. Like it's as plain as simple as that. And and agents can do that as well. But the reason why I respect Pogba's agent is because he oh he always sticks by his player side there. And it's not about the best for the club. It's about the best for his player. And yeah. that's all. That's what you need in your agent. It's do as you simple think, as. Um, Money is important for a footballer. Like, I was speaking to this again with one, a friend of mine. Um, he's had loads of ups and downs in his football career. And he yeah. says that, you know, it isn't, but it is when you look at another player who's in the same job as you, you know, yeah. but they're getting more and it is disheartening. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, how much are you going to give? Because you're giving sacrifice, you're sacrificing, you're giving your blood, sweat and tears, yeah. but you're not really receiving. And I was telling him, look, if you're a pro player, you're getting six figures a week, mm. a fucking week. But that's not all pro players, though. Let's say, right? Let's, well, say, let's, say, let's say championship let's say and premiership. Getting six figures a week. Yeah. But I'm getting uh, six. I'm gonna receive. I'm gonna receive that in, in the name of Jesus, by the way. <laughs> yeah, God willing. Yeah, God willing. You, thank you, you do, of course. I hope you do. But let's say you're receiving six figures a week, and I'm receiving, um, you know, sixty, seventy grand more than you. Yeah. But we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Maybe you're even a bit better than me. Yeah. But because my agent or whatever my contract entails, yeah. I'm getting more. Like that plays a part in your game, doesn't it? In your mental game and your. I think game. it depends. It depends what level of football you're at. Me personally, 
I'm not gonna lie, I've never really been too too fussed about money because at the end of the day, the way I see it, money comes and goes. Money's never yours. You know what I mean? It's, it's something in the bank. You'll have to spend it on something one day. One day. That's so a good, that's a sick way of looking so, at it. So like the way you like, can't just keep it. In your yeah, bank, you, you can't just keep it. So sick way of looking at it. The way I see it, I never, I never started playing football for money. I started playing football because I purely loved the game. Now, as you get older, you start to understand it's a business. And it's your not, value. Yeah, you understand your value as well, but it's a business primarily. When you're younger, you don't know about the business side of it as in, up until you get older. So when you do start to figure out the business side, obviously you want to cover your own end. You want to cover yourself. You don't want to feel like they're, 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 they're uh, devaluing you. Yeah, and, you know. But at the same time, I, I, like, that's why I leave that stuff to my agent. My agent deals with that because yeah. I generally, Makes I sense. just want to play football. I, I'm not really, I'm not bothered. Why should you, you're, yeah. you're, in essence, he's that, taking that's why. That's, that's his, his job. job. Yeah, that's yeah, his yeah, job, yeah. you know, that's why I have him to do stuff like that. And my agent is a, he's a hard man to yeah, yeah, negotiate yeah. with. He's not no pushover. He knows like, your value. Yeah, he knows my value. So we're in a day and age now where you don't even need an agent. Really, because and I'm guessing you've had agents. You've seen contracts before. Yeah. you know what what. This but I'm means. not gonna lie, right? Ninety percent of footballers, and I'm sure about this, will not read the full. They'll probably only Damn. read the the the, the salary figure, bit, the salary and bit the figure, term. and the terms and how many. They won't even read the terms. They'll just read how many years. That's why you have your agent to read that yeah. and stuff like that. Like, so you got to think, us footballers, we don't have the attention span to be reading these long things like we ain't got time for that we just want to play the game so it's that's why you leave it trust you have to put in this person who's not your family member yeah who's only met you a few years ago but you trust in him with i trust him wholeheartedly though because i know that he's trying to get the best for me and you know, the best out of me you know in fifa in in uh, career mode yeah there's a there's a um section where you you're about to decide your managers or your agents mm. i don't know if you've played i don't know if you i don't even play well. fifa but i do know what you're on about but they have this female who comes to this obviously that player yeah and he's like we can get you adidas sponsorship we can get da, 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 da. but a lot and of agents that say that or you sign with this guy who's like i can't get you all of them deals but yeah. i'll make sure i'll look after you you're, you'll be my only concern I prefer that agent on the right to the agent that will say to you, I can get you this, I can get you that, I can do that. Because most of the time, they can't. Once you have a bad season, they'll just get rid of you. Whereas this person here, he's not bothered about the deals because he knows if you do well, that will come. He's concerned about primarily you as a person. First, because you've got to... One thing I think people fail to remember... So when they're not footballers, just to forget footballers are human, do you know what I mean? The, the, the actual people, like... They have feelings, that, they have emotions. They have feelings you know? and stuff <laughs> like that. And a lot of people... Don't do, understand. They, yeah, they don't understand they that. They just that. think, oh, this guy's earning 50 grand a week. Da, 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 da. Why, why is he, like, depressed? Like, if I had this and then all of that. But you don't... Listen, you don't know what you'd do if you had 50 grand a week. Imagine, yeah, a kid from Cheetah Mill, right? He's had nothing all of his life. But he's an amazing footballer. His first contract he gets given, 50 grand a week. What, what do you think that kid's like, going to do? Like, by the time if he, the if week he's, is finished, you're getting another 50 grand. If, it's like, it, right. So if he's not got the right guidance around him, what do you think he's doing? He's going crazy. He's going, of course. He's going crazy. And this is what people don't realise, uh, stuff like this. So 
you're making more money than you can physically spend. Exactly. So <laughs> that's why you do need an agent like that, that cares about your well-being, cares about what you're doing, where, you, where you're at at this time and this time. Where there's agents that just think, oh, as long as he plays well, then I'm, I'm getting money So when you signed that. pro, did you start having phone calls from family members you've never met before? <laughs> you know what? Not... Because you said you yeah, have a big family, no. right? But my family's massive, you see, like very, very big. So when I, when I signed my pro contract, because my parents are pastors and my parents are well-known and my family's well-known, it was a thing where like the whole community was proud sort of right, thing. Right, right. So okay. it, was a, it was a community thing. Like, so everyone was happy. So, and the way I am, I'm, I'm a people's person. So I will speak to anyone and everyone. You know what I mean? I'm not one of them people that will just, just won't speak Think to of yourself like, yeah, oh, I'm, like, like nah, I'm not there. I've never grown up like that. My dad's not like that. Yeah. So, I mean, now you're 24 years old. Very young. 24 is like, but also in football terms, 24 is somewhat older. Yeah. Well, right? Yeah. So what happens now? What's, your, what's the plan? I think my plan now, obviously I've not played in a year. Obviously since the coronavirus, the pandemic, um, I've had a tough year, like, in terms of family and stuff off the pitch and that. But I think now, it's a, for me, it's just about enjoying my football again and playing in a team that's winning every week. And I want to be in an environment where I know I'm going to improve and, and better myself. So for now, that's, that's my see, goal for now. Just getting a team and start. Yeah, just getting in a team and, and just getting back to basics of the game and just enjoying it, really. I mean, football, if you're not enjoying your football, then it, it's it's a difficult business to work in. It's not like you, your normal day job, your office job, where you could just you go in and you you hate it, but you're going in anyway. Whereas football, like there's so many things, like you could have a bad game, go on the internet, you, you see... Abuse and all sorts. Obviously. Have you faced anything like that before? Yeah, I've I've, I've been racially abused in a match before. Um, That's crazy. Every single co like coloured or black player that I've spoken to, even my friend, he was like, "Yeah, we've some like some guy has said something to me." Yeah, on the pitch. I remember the earliest. I think the youngest I got racially abused was like I think I was even like nine or ten. Yeah, nine or ten in a game um, by another white kid. Yeah. So it what was, did you do? He, he he said something. He said something to me that obviously I knew. I'm, I wasn't stupid at the time, and I knew <laughs> what it meant in it. Um, and to be fair, I think we just like I just remember reporting it to the coach. That was it. Like because we always they always told us from young if you hear anything of the talk, just tell the coach and they'll deal with it. Nothing really ever got done, but. I was a kid there, like the way I see it, because I remember going to Italy and the boy is hard there, isn't it? A lot of it's my friends, there, a lot of people question, like, bro, you're not scared of like the racism? Da, 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 da. I was like, bro, I genuinely couldn't care less because I've, really? been, I've been racially abused in my own country, bro, in a language that I can actually understand. Like, the incident that happened, it was. It was mad. So like, what do you think of players like walking off when, when you know, they, they face something like this? I think they're right to, but at the same time, I just don't believe that racism will ever leave football. I mean, how many, really? black, how many black or 
coloured managers do you have in the Premier League? How many do you have even at football clubs in the academy level? How many do you even have at grassroots? So when you start looking at things like but for me, I just think it will never leave the game. It will never leave the world as in a society anyway. Racism will never leave. Um, it certainly will never leave football um, because the stuff that happens in day-to-day in the change rooms and stuff like that, jokes and stuff like that, which it happens... It, Changing it, rooms? It, it's part... Listen, as mad as it sounds and whoever's watching this might think it's mad, but it's part of... Probably the, a lot of players who watch this who yeah, follow you and that, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll understand. They'll understand, but, but for me, this the is thing like is, if you're not... Mad. If you're from the outside and you're not from the football world, you won't understand what I'm trying to say. But if you're in, you're in the footballing world, you will understand that these things happen. And it is wrong, but it is, it is what it is. How strict do you, th- do you think they need to take this? Like, um, let's say you report someone's been racist to you. Um, that player should get banned to play football forever? Or yeah, is- I think they should, but they won't. That's the thing, they, they won't ban them forever. But really and truly, this is like a crime, right? Bro, <laughs> listen, you get, I think it's minimum like two years for drugs, right? Yeah. That lad that racially abused Glenn Kamara got a 10-game ban, which is 10 weeks or whatever it is. Glenn Kamara got a three-game ban as well for what? So Really and truly, for what, what for did what, he do? So when you, when you look at it that way... Where's the change? For me, there is no change. Like, look at look look at how serious, right? The uproar for the Super League was. Look at right. the Super League. Very good. Look point. at that, and then they, they racism. wanted to shut off the whole football. Bro, listen, the Eng- they're booing the England players taking a knee. Raheem Sterling is a black man, right? They booed him before the game, England's first game. They booed the knee. Sterling scored, he cheered. So when I see things that I just like to me, it, it don't make sense. It don't bother me no more. Mm. And that's me being truly honest. It does not bother me anymore <laughs> because I've been racially abused in my own country, right? And the problem is with England is that there's so many undercover racists, like they're everywhere on social media. Where, whereas when I went to Italy, one thing, one thing I do <laughs> like about Italy, bro. <laughs> If they're going to be like that towards you, you will know that they don't yeah, like you from the yeah. get-go. Right, yeah. You could be working with someone in the office and they're racist, but you won't know that because they'll be your best. Do you know what I mean? They'll be your mate, pally pally with you. But over there, bro, it's straight like, I don't like you. Do you know what I mean? That's that, just how it is. Damn. I prefer that. Like, and, yeah, and it, in it, some it, aspect. It didn't phase me going there. Like, I mean, imagine, didn't me be, at all. imagine being Raheem Sterling and one week you're a hero, one week you're the That's what I mean. most the, hated person. Look at the, the things that he's done in his career. We really and truly, this country should be hailing. They gave him an MBE, really, but I mean. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> how when, you give him an MBE and then your own people are. What does an MBE mean when. They're writing articles about him in the newspaper, just nonsense about his things. Their tattoo, yeah, uh, that is, bro. Honestly, yeah. but you know, it's um, nonsense. You it? touched on a sick point about the Super League. What they did, they came out, they stormed Old Trafford, they mashed bro, up the game. They done a mad thing. They done a mad thing. Like what they did was a, they they committed because criminal offences. Yeah, yeah, wanted to do their own um, league. But they would never in a million years do the same thing 
for one player getting racially abused no on chance. the pitch. No chance. Never. No, no chance on earth. No chance. What I think, it, it, uh, we can say it because this is what we think is right, but it won't happen anyways. But what I think, just, just for the sake of it, is if a player on a team is racist to another player, that team sacrifices their points. Yeah. Like, see, that player gets yeah. banned. Like, yeah. no, w- why are you banning them for 10 games? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're not, you need to install the whole thing. Like, if yeah. you're racist, your career's done. Yeah, period. like, everything just finished. For example, look at, look at, um, well, it's a different point, but look at Adam Johnson. Obviously, the situation yeah. was very, very serious, but yeah. his career's done. Done. His career's no done. one will touch him anymore. No, 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 never. Do you know what I mean? So why is it different for racial? Do you know these? what I mean? Like, it's, it's, there's a lot of double standards in football, innit? So, for me, that's that's something I've always. Done I mean, I've heard things career. about managers being like un, unconscious racism, where they they're favouring the white players more of than course. the black players, and of course. But like I said, people won't understand that is part and parcel of the game. Sad, Wherever you go, it's whatever sad. level you go, it's part and parcel of the game, and it is sad, but. Someone like me, I'm used to it. It's mad that you like, the way you are, you're saying, you know, it doesn't bother you anymore. You're just bothered about your football. Yeah, bro. Some players take it very seriously. Like, even, yo, for me, yeah. Bar. <laughs> yeah, bro, even <laughs> me, yeah. Up the guy's head. The, the whole knee thing, like, I just become, I just think it's become a joke. Like, what, what's I it doing? I do agree. It's, it's, it's pointless. doing absolutely nothing, so. It is pointless I, at this point. We're doing the knee for what? And getting booed. Because the way I see it, right, Racism will never ever leave this world. Racism's it, racism's like death and taxes. It, like never, there's always a racist somewhere, bro. What about you? Think of the band it says uh, what respect on the, or on the thing? No to racism. You know they do adverts of that. UEFA does adverts of that, bro. They're spending money on adverts, but they won't ban the player. They won't take actual action. If this country treated the way they they treat people that are homophobic and stuff like that the same way they treated racism then I don't know in it but yeah. that, that doesn't happen your points are so sick do you know bro, what I mean like, they, 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 bro, don't, they don't happen a, so. I've never compared that but imagine imagine you get caught being homophobic in this country bro you they lose your job cancel. they cancel you, you, you you're finished you're finished completely finished like, and and look at the girl who spat on that bouncer exactly a few weeks ago and called him what not now, now if he reacts to that then he's a bad he's the bad person you know so I wanted to ask you, right, a question that has been playing on my head. Do you think, like in NFL, they have salary caps? Yeah. Somewhat, right? They have yeah. a salary cap. And also in NFL, you can't buy players from outside. Yeah. You can't. It has to go through the, the chain, NFL. right? Yeah. This whole system. That oh, the academy have. system, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that needs to be implemented in the Premier League or should it? But if we had an academy, like, okay... How many strikers in the league are actually British strikers? How many yeah. players in the league are British no, players? No, I, I completely understand your point. And that's where I think that the Premier League isn't the best league in the world. It's the most competitive league in the world. But if we talk about technical... Like, you see it all the time in the Champions League and stuff like that. Yeah, Chelsea won the Champions League, but... Like, Spain dominated world the football. The probability of other European teams doing yes. well is more, yeah. Yes, and... We don't have homegrown I mean, players. I mean, look at Europa League as well. Yeah, we, we don't really have homegrown players in England. They say they're homegrown, but they're not. They, they buy them from different clubs and from Spain, you'll have a lad from Barcelona. Like, Bellerin, a perfect example. <laughs> Bellerin, <laughs> come through Barcelona's academy, he went to Arsenal, he was like 16 or whatever, boom. 
they class that as a homegrown player. Now I understand why they do, but it's not he's really not homegrown. Really and truly. Do you know he's not English. Right. Do you know what I mean? Whereas in Spain, like perfect example, Atletico Bilbao, they don't sign players that are not from their region. So for example, we're Greater Manchester. They don't sign players that are not from that region. Really? All the players at their, their club are, are Basque. It's called the Basque something. Look it up after this. It's called the Basque. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, the, ba- the Basque thing. So all the players that you see there, they're either of, of Basque um, heritage or they actually grew up in that area. That's crazy. So I- imagine, imagine if that, that happened in... Like Greater Manchester for, for oh, United. Right, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You, there, there's so many amazing young talents in do you our think, country. Do you think th- th- this country should do something like what the NFL does and, and how, how, how well the NFL does as well? You know, the players. I think they should. It would be players amazing. Have a, like, okay, the they have a chance. Players, the amount of players that play in League One, yeah. League Two in NFL level is yeah. a lot higher than the amount of players yeah. that play football for a long period of time. Yeah. Respectfully, look at yourself. You're 24 years old. You've had yeah. a lot of pro experience in big yeah. clubs, but you're not playing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But if there was that system, yeah. you would have been playing. Yeah, somewhat yeah. Football I know right what you mean. Now. Yeah. So I, I think that that system would be amazing. But. But. <laughs> but the problem is our I don't think our system is as well equipped and as well advanced as their system because there's there's so much there's way more money in NFL than football but I don't know how they do it one thing I they always tell you from young anyway so from for example from when I entered the academy at Man United they always told us listen like I don't even know what the percentage is the ratio or something it's like not not something Percent that make percent it. Percent that make it, right? At Man United, they used to tell us, maybe only one of you will make it into our first team. Oh, wow. Probably not even, even none of you might not even make it. Do you know what I mean? And I was watching, um, a, what do you call it? Um, a little documentary that a good mate of mine at United done, um, Axel Swanzebe. And he was saying, obviously, he was saying exactly echoing what I just said about, obviously, you are told that obviously that's the possibility of it. Do you know what I mean? They're the percentages and that. So you, with football, you, you have to be mentally, very, very mentally strong. If you're not mentally strong in football, you've got no, you might as well pack it in now. Mm. And the salary cap, you think, you think there should be some sort of salary cap in the Premier League? Yeah. Or in football in general? I think in football in general, in it because like I said before, right? You take a kid out of Cheetah Mill, he's had nothing all of his life. And you give him 50 grand a week. 50 he's grand go a week. He's going he's, he's gonna to go mad. The parents are going to go crazy. a thing that these clubs don't do as well, they don't give the players financial advice. Interesting. You don't, you don't have someone... I believe that every club should have someone... They, they should be having meetings with the young players about financial advice, stuff like that. Like, they do, you do have meetings like where they tell you like you can do courses and stuff like that, but... Well, it's I not mean, really like, serious. Yeah, I mean, like, yo, if you make it as a In-house. pro... In-house. Yeah, the, st- the money that you're going to be making, right? Do this with it, do that with it. I think that needs to be... It should be mandatory. Like, they should have to do that because... You're right, right. I feel like I've made many choices, bad choices, because I didn't know about all of that. Right. Obviously, I, st- I had my parents and stuff like that. But, but even they haven't even, seen this type of money. Exactly, before. even they've not, like, it, it, so it, it's... Yeah. But it, it's mad, it's mad, but... Makes, it makes a lot of sense, you know, yeah. what you're saying. So, 
think the, the, the salary cap thing would be a very, very good thing for the future. Yeah, it makes the players stick to a yeah, kind of discipline. But I can't see it happening. Hmm. I can't see it happening because there's too much money in football now. <laughs> there's too much. Well, hopefully you make the six figures soon. Oh, <laughs> Don't forget hopefully, me. yeah. You know, a quick, a quick question I had for you. You, you verified on Instagram. Yeah. Um, you have a l- not that many followers compared to what normal verified people have. Yeah. When did you get verified? I got verified when I was like 19, 20. So I Googled you and you did you do come up, you know? Yeah. So obviously I understand why you're verified. Yeah. How did did did, did, did the gram change and that for you? Did the DMs change when you had the blue tick? Do you know what? Did nah, you did the people look at you a bit different? Do you know if anything, yeah, more it was more so probably like my mates and that that were like, yo, bro, like you're verified <laughs> and that, like you gotta move a bit different, you gotta do this and that. But what is before what is it though? Yeah. before the tick, right? Bro, I genuinely and I'm not lying, I genuinely could not care about the blue really? tick. It doesn't change my personality, it don't change my DNA. Like I don't, if I'm signing a contract, they don't say Natumba Masanka verified on Instagram. They don't say that, do you know what I mean, bro? Well, I, I tell, I tell the, my friend, I, t- I said to him as well, when I get verified, I'm changing my phone number. But oh, I no, no, I can I'm understand everyone. But bro, bro, everyone, I don't know, none of these laws. <laughs> no, listen, I can understand everyone's different in it, but like me, bro, I'm not like, bro, it takes nothing away from me. And, and it get like, don't get me wrong, there's opportunities that I've gained from, yeah, the, in, of course. from the verification, but of the course. way I am, I'm so laid back. Yeah. I'm relaxed about anything, bro. I, I genuinely don't care, bro. Like, people, people like, say to me, bro, like, got a blue tick and that, like, you need to, like, unfollow these people. And I'm like, bro, what does it's it not mean? that like, deep, what? bro. Yeah, it's, it's not, not that, that deep. deep. Like, bro, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like, bro, it's not, yeah, it might get you, like, girls might look at you different, different. and stuff like that, but... Do you have a girlfriend? No, I don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> nah, I don't, I, That's the blue tick effect. Nah, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a girlfriend, nah, I don't, I don't have a missus, but... That's the blue um, tick effect. <laughs> now I'm going to get don't, a girlfriend, of course, he's very I don't, <laughs> I don't have a missus, but, like... <laughs> but you got a blue tick. <laughs> Let's just... Put it this way, yeah, a blue tick can get you in a lot of places. Yeah, but for sure. For sure, I bet. I don't... I don't use my blue tip like for I sure. don't use it for sponsors and all that stuff. Really? Like, nah, bro. Like, obviously, I get people that Off message it, yeah. me like yeah, yeah, yeah. to clothe to to take pictures in their clothes and stuff like that. Obviously, I do stuff like that because I'm I'll do it. Like, do you know what I mean? It's helping someone else's business and helping. But in terms of like taking money off someone, I I, I wouldn't do that. That's very humble of you. I don't know if I'm gonna be that humble, you know. <laughs> bro, like but I said, bro, everyone's I, different. I done done a lot of shit to have a blue tick. I bro, do you know how many times I applied to have a blue tick on Instagram? Do you know and what, they declined. Do you know what the maddest thing is? I didn't even know that when it happened. No, I did know because basically what happened was a guy um, that worked for Instagram followed me on Instagram and he messaged me saying, "Look, we're quite interested in your profile. Your profile's like a." interesting page and stuff like that so we, I, I want to get you verified so I was like alright cool so literally two days after that my account was verified 
they know, you know, you know the, the, the criteria is you have to have articles and this, that, the other. Yeah, you have to have at least two solid, proper articles for, you know, you to be verified. That's the first. I didn't even know that. I did, I did, that's the first I'm hearing it. Yeah. And your Instagram at is your proper name as well. Which, yeah. Which obviously differentiates between you and let's say me making an account yeah. that claims I'm you. I think, I think people around me are more bothered about it than I am. My Instagram, you know, bio is going to be nothing was the same. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah, well. it's been amazing to have you. Thank you I very much. I honestly really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, yeah. I really, I'm really excited to kind of see where you go from here now nah, me too man and um, um, thanks for having me on here as well like you know you've, you've given me a lot of insight i'm sure the viewers a lot of insight in a year or two um time time it'd be sick to have you back on of course and see Anytime. like are you playing for x club and this yeah. that what's your life saying because yeah. you're still so determined you're not yeah you know a lot of players they get upset that oh football's fucked me over yeah fuck this life listen don't get me wrong i did go through that phase but I carried on like with it. Like the you thing still is, once you stop, yeah. Like desire. don't get me wrong, there was periods where I fell out of love with the game and I was questioning whether I still want to play or not. But at the end of the day, when I look back, I look the times when I used to walk with my dad to go training and stuff yeah. like in the rain and stuff. And you look back on all all them things, and it is it sounds cliche, but it, that to my real life. Do you know what I mean? Like that's something that I've always grown up with, and in the back of my mind, I always. I've obviously stuff that obviously I've seen from young and family and stuff like that. So I think that kind of keeps me going. But at the the main thing is for me that I want to be, I want to do this. This is what I feel like I was, I don't know anything else. Can I ask you then, just touching on that point, let's say, God forbid, let's say you don't have any team. Let's mm. say you don't get nowhere. Yeah. What do you do? Do you go to a nine to five? What do you do? Do you know do you what? Have a plan B? Do you know what? I've never had a plan B. I've never thought about doing anything other than football or anything how do you other than How do you sustain that, a life that, then? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? Modeling? Like, what are you going to do? Do you know what? Well, this is... I swear the blue tip might come around the No, no, but all, all jokes aside, all jokes aside, I want to pursue something in football. You done your coaching badges? Yeah, I've done coaching badges. So you'll probably right. try so and... I'll try and, and do that because I don't think... I wasn't born to do anything else. I genuinely believe I, I was not born to do anything else than football. But now, nah, honestly, I appreciate it. And, the, and this platform is amazing. Like, I'd advise all young people to, to watch it because these are real life stories and real life situations yeah. from different all types of fields and zones. And yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what you are doing is amazing, honestly. Thank you. So I, I, I very much, very much appreciate it. That's the whole point of the podcast, really. Anything you want to say to the young people who are in the academy or going through the process that you've been through? Any piece of advice? Um, I think the, the only advice I'd give is just in, enjoy it. Like, don't care what anyone says and don't always take... Not every advice is good advice, in it. That's what I would say. Not That's every, sick advice. <laughs> not, yeah, not every not every advice is good advice. And what I would say is just just try and enjoy yourself and block out all the noise from everyone. Else. Listen to yourself first before anyone else. Listen to yourself, and then if you do hear something else, someone else weigh it up. And if you think it's right for you, then you do that. But primarily, primarily, sorry, listen to yourself. Well, there you have it. Listen. If you like this, you know what to do. If you don't like this, you know what to do. If you want to subscribe, you know what to do. If you don't want to subscribe, I want you to go on Twitter 
at Man United because we need a striker for the season coming up. <laughs> T is available. I'll go back. Chris anytime. is his agent. But if Chris is, you know, not available, <laughs> I am available. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make it happen. For Arsenal, I don't know. We don't we don't want Listen, I'll go anywhere in the Premier League. I'll go anywhere in the Premier League, mate. Peace.